0: The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcralaleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Amen, church. So we are in uh, the middle of a series in the book of Acts, so if you would, please take your Bible and turn to 1 Peter chapter number 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. We're enjoying our time in the book of Acts, and uh, we're talking about uh, taking the gospel to the ends of the world, the good news to all the world. And uh, the book of Acts is a wonderful place for a church to really uh, root itself and ground itself into the understanding of the early church model. and. So some of the things that are important to our church, we are grounding ourselves in the book of Acts, such things as sharing the gospel. We want to be evangelistic kind of people where whether we're 10 or 90 or anywhere in between, we are learning to share the gospel, share our testimony with friends and neighbors that they might come to faith in Jesus Christ. We are learning as a church to pray, to give ourselves over uh, to prayer for the gospel to move forward to the ends of the earth. Um, All kinds of things as we continue to walk through that book that we are going to work through. Last Sunday, I uh, preached on Acts chapter number 6. And we talked about that when persecution came to the church and the church began to grow, that uh, whenever the church grows, there has to be some structure that comes along with that. And we talked about having good structure and godly people. And uh, some of you might be thinking, well, what about last week? We talked a little bit about how that the way church structure should look would be uh, elder led and deconserved, served. And we kind of inserted in our Baptistic way, committee assisted and uh, congregationally affirmed. Well, I was talking with a friend of mine here in the church on uh, Wednesday evening, and they said uh, they said to me, "He said, Pastor, uh, last Sunday I went to lunch with some uh, with some of the uh, folks in the church, and over lunch we just began to discuss the sermon. And I want to say to you, that's a good thing to do if you go to lunch or at home is just with your family and friends is to discuss the sermon. I mean, don't don't give the preacher red ears, you know. Don't talk bad about me, but talk about the sermon and the the text and trying to see what the Lord was uh, given to us and 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 uh, so he said, I asked the people at lunch, what did you learn from the from the sermon? And they said, man, we have to be a multi-ethnic congregation, and we ought to be a multi-generational congregation, and we ought to be, a, a maybe, Lord willing, in the future, a multi-congregational uh, congregation, and we want the Lord to, to do a work, and that our church ought to look somewhat like heaven. And he said, yeah, that's a, that's exactly right. What did, the, what did the pastor, what did you think about what the pastor said from the text about, you know, the structure of the church? church and there were crickets in the background <laughs> so i knew that was going to happen so we're going to take the next few weeks and we're going to talk a little bit about what our church structure, what a biblical church model of good, godly structure looks like. And, uh, and so last week I started by saying, well, that it's uh, elder-led and it's deacon-served and it's committee-assisted and it's congregationally affirmed. And so today we want to take a few minutes and uh, take a little aside from the book of Acts, find ourselves in 1 Peter chapter number 5, and talk a little bit about what does it mean when we use the word elders right and you know when I was a kid you know my mom and dad would say respect your elders right anybody ever heard that before respect your elders and they meant by that as somebody that was older and had more wisdom and you need to respect your elders and, and don't interrupt them in line and hold the door open and respect your elders well that is true that that is one kind of elder as somebody that is older in the life of the congregation but that's not exactly what we're talking about when we talk about church structure and we say what are elders within the life of of the church structure, and so today we want to say what what really is an elder, right? And so um, let me just say this before I read the text. Here's what you need to know: that uh, in the New Testament, you'll find these kinds of words, elder, pastor, uh, bishop, overseer, and all of those words. They may have slightly different meanings, but pretty much they're synonymous. Every time you read about an elder in the life of a congregation, a pastor, a bishop, an overseer, those are the same person. Uh, maybe slight variations in what they're doing, but it's really the same person. So in our church, sometimes you'll hear me here. I've had uh, even some of our teenagers come up to me every once in a while and say, Pastor, you say the word elders more than you do pastors. And the reason why I use the word elder more than I do pastor is because I want to be biblical. The word pastor is only used very few times in the New Testament, whereas the elder is used quite a bit in the New Testament for the church. And so when we talk about what is an elder within the church life, really the That is the person that is giving, or the people, plural in the church, the elders, who are those group of men who are giving godly oversight and leadership and shepherding the congregation spiritually. Our deacons come alongside and they serve the physical needs of the congregation. Of course, I told you last week, committees aren't in the Bible, but if you want to have one, they come alongside and they assist the elders and the deacons in carrying out the mission of the church. And then the congregation as a whole affirms the leadership and submits to the leadership that God has set in place. And so what I want to do today is I want to say, look, if the, tr- if the tr- uh, uh, structure of the church should be that you should have a, a body of elders who are leading your congregation then maybe we should look at those guys for a minute and see what is at the heart of what they do and who they are and why in the world would anybody want to be an elder. In the weeks to come, we'll take a few minutes in the pastoral epistles to discuss the qualifications, as I'm sure you've heard that before, the sermon on the qualifications of an elder or on a deacon. We'll get to some of that. But today, from this passage of Scripture, I simply want you to see what is at the heart of a body of elders. So look with me in verse 1 through 4, chapter number 5, and you follow along as I read for us. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elders and witness of the suffering of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd. The flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with an eagerness, not yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory." First of all, from this text in verse number one today, I want you to see who is Well, if you look back, you see in verse number one where most of your translations it'll say therefore, or maybe it begins by saying so. And this is not divorced or separated from all that has gone forth in the first four chapters. In fact, the Apostle Peter is writing here to the church that is under much and heavy persecution. And he is saying to them because the church is under persecution, because the church is facing all of this, all the more we need good God. Godly eldership, ruling and leading within the life of the congregation. He says, therefore, I exhort the elders among you. And so, who is it that can be an elder? Let me just give you a, a few thoughts on here. First of all, the 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 man or the uh, the man who wants to be an elder within the life of the congregation is one who is in a faithful fellowship, who is an ordinary man with an extraordinary desire. The Bible says in First Timothy, if you desire the office of a bishop and this uh this role of the elder is limited within the scope of the new testament uh to male leadership and that is not to say that women do not have a life and a place within the even the teaching body of the church but in the role of eldership within the life of the church this is reserved to male leadership And so we would understand here, look at what Peter says. Now look back at verse number one. He says, therefore I exhort the elders among you. And how does he exhort them? As a fellow elder. You know, the apostle Peter here, he could have looked down to these guys in the church and said, look, I'm the apostle Peter. I'm the Pope. I'm this, I'm that. And you know, instead of saying any of those things, he says, I'm a fellow elder. I come to you as one who has a humility. I come to you as one who Jesus has said, And I say to you that if you want to be an elder within the life of the church, these are humble men who are a part of a fellowship of believers who are ordinary men within the life of the church who have an extraordinary or extraordinary desire to serve God by being faithful to shepherd the flock that belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. These are his men. This is a fellowship of humble, believing men who desire not to lord it over, not to be something great, not to be seen in the eyes of everybody, but to shepherd God's people. You say, how does that desire come into the heart of a man? Well, I would say probably in about three ways. First of all, that man has an inward compulsion, an inward desire that he wants to read and study and help God's people and teach them and lead them and train them and walk with them faithfully throughout a lifetime. And then the Holy Spirit pours in that desire. He calls men into the ministry. He calls them into the role of the eldership. And then the body of Christ, the wider body of the church, affirms what they see in a man's life. So there's an inward desire to shepherd God's people. There is a extraordinary desire placed in them by the Holy Spirit to serve and to lead and guide God's people. And then the body of Christ looks and they say, that man has the marks of humility, of leadership, of guiding. That man could serve to be a shepherd. That's the kind of man that I want to humbly submit my life to within the congregation of the church it's a fellowship of men who are ordinary in their abilities and skills but they have an extraordinary desire that's been given to them by God that flows from the inner life and that is affirmed by the body of Christ and what they want to do is not be set on a pedestal they want as Gregory of Nazienza once said that they want to be servants of God's servants they want to lift up and esteem and pull the body of Christ into a holy relationship with God and lead them in the way that they ought to go. But look back down at the text and look at what Peter says in verse number 1. Not only are these men, these a fellowship of ordinary men with extraordinary desires, but look here, it says, And I come to you as a witness of the suffering of Christ. I come to you as a witness of the suffering of Christ. These men have at the very core of their being a desire to bring people to the cross of Calvary. It was Peter that was there at the resurrection, but that's not what he says. He doesn't say, I come to you as a witness of the resurrection. I don't come to you as a witness of the transfiguration. I don't come to you as a witness of the feeding of the 5,000. He says, I come to you as a witness of the suffering of Jesus Christ. True elders within the life of the church are a group of ordinary men who are humble before the Lord and they seek to lead God's people in every avenue of their life to go by way of the cross to suffer with Jesus, to look to the cross for their forgiveness, to look to the cross for our relationships and our families and our friendships. They point the congregation to the cross of Christ. What do elders do in the life of the church? Well, I'll tell you this. They don't smoke long cigars and sip brandy and sit in a room somewhere and control everything. They serve the congregation by continually reminding them of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I stand, and this is a hard text for me to preach today, but I, because I, I am an elder, and we're working towards something in the life of our church, but I want you to understand that what I am supposed to do every single day of my life, and far more on the Lord's Day, is to point everybody that is in this room to the cross of Jesus Christ. Not to myself, not to my skills, but to Jesus alone, who died for the sins of those who believe. I tell you on the authority of Scripture, to Jesus, and He will save you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life in Jesus Christ. He is the answer for every human problem in all the world. What do elders do? We point you to the suffering Christ on the cross. Notice this. Who are elders? Fellowship of humble, ordinary men with extraordinary desires placed in them by the Holy Spirit. These are men for whom Jesus Christ on the cross is paramount to everything that we do. We witness, we testify, we martyrdom to the cross of Christ. Before I move to that last point, maybe I should just do my due duty today. Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever in this room today, I want you to know that Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sin, and if you'll turn from your sin and bow down before him and ask him to save you, he will give you eternal life by his good mercy and kindness. Who are elders? Ordinary men, extraordinary desires? Men for whom the cross looms large in their life and they want to run and help all of God's people, shepherd God's people, to see how the cross works in your life. And they are men for whom they now live in the present reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look back down at verse number one. Therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. He is present, tense, partaking of the glory, future tense, which will be revealed. There will be a day when Jesus Christ comes back and He comes back and He destroys all that is wicked and He establishes all that is righteous. But the resurrection life is one for whom an elder is taking place in their life. Now we are learning to live in the glory and the resurrection resurrection of the power of Jesus Christ every day in our lives. What that means is that an elder in the life of a church is a man for whom he is not perfect, his feet are made of clay, but daily in his life he is learning to lay aside the old man, to put upon the new man, to lay off the old clothes, to put on the new clothes, and to live in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ so that he is becoming more holy day by day by day, that he may lead God's people by way of mouth and by way of lie Now, you may be sitting here today, and you may be saying, Pastor, I'm not an elder within the church life, and therefore I can check out. But, wo contraire, my frere, I would say to all of us today, you need this passage of Scripture. For I tell you, this is the way that you must pray for your elders, both now and in the future, that they would be the kind of people that are ordinary, that they would be a fellowship of men who are humble, Christ-centered, living the resurrection life. And as you pray for us, maybe you would pray that God would help you to live that kind of life as well. Not only does this have implications for elders, I would say that it has implications for all of us as we lead our homes, as we testify to our workplace, as we lead those that are around us in our everyday work-a-day life. That you too, not just the elders, but you too, that you are learning in your life to be humble before the Lord and not to exalt yourself over everybody, but to serve God's people well by modeling to them the crucifixion and the resurrection in your daily life. Who are the elders? They're a body of men who are humble, to have an extraordinary desire given to them by the Holy Spirit, not to be, oh, not to lord things over God's congregation, but to serve and to lead and to give oversight to God's people. For whom Christ and his sufferings on the cross are becoming reality every day and they're leading people to the cross, both lost and saved alike, that the gospel might flesh into every area of our life and they are leading resurrection lives so that daily you can see in their life that they are not the same person today as they were a year ago, that they are continually having the light of the resurrection life poured into them and they are becoming more holy they might lead us in holiness what do what do elders do look down if you would at the next verse all right so that's who those elders are what do elders do they shepherd the flock of god among you exercising oversight and you'll notice three comparisons going back and forth here. I'll brush all those out in a minute. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily. According to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. And yet as lording it over those, or not lording it over is allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. What elders do, you'll notice two big words in verse number two that I think would help us get to the heart of what elders do. They shepherd and they give oversight. They shepherd and they give oversight. Oh my goodness. Do you not see the overtones in that phrase, they shepherd? Who's writing this epistle? Somebody tell me, who writes this epistle? Peter. Peter. Can you think of a moment when Jesus taught Peter something about shepherding? You see, Peter was the one who denied Jesus three times when he's going to the cross. Isn't that right? And the Bible says in the Gospels that Jesus looked in his direction and stared at him. And Peter wept bitterly for he knew that he had denied Christ. And after the resurrection, there is Jesus on the shore eating catfish to the glory of God. I'm not sure if it was catfish or not. But anyway, maybe Jesus wasn't eating catfish. I don't know. Anyway, here, Jesus and Peter, they're standing there together. And what does Jesus say to him? He uses this shepherding mentality and he says, Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, lead my sheep. Peter, feed my lambs. When we think of the shepherding context of elders, what comes to mind is that they are to feed the people of God. They are to protect the people of God. And they are to lead the people of God. What do elders do in the church life? They have a longing in their soul to study the Word of God, not to be better than anybody, not to hang their thumbs in their suspenders and say, look, I can beat you at Bible trivia. They study God's Word and pour their lives into God's Word. They listen to sermons. They read books. And they give their lives over to the study of the Word of God so that they might be able to feed God's sheep Elders in the church life are not just simply preaching or uh, preaching elders, but they are elders who always have an apt to teach the Word of God. Do you know one of the major distinctions between in the qualifications of an elder and a deacon in 1 Timothy and Titus is that elders are supposed to be, here's my King James English, apt to teach. They have a desire, they have a proclivity to teach the Word of God. Deacons, that is not required of them, although there are great deacons, within the scripture who operate in a way of teaching God's word, but we must be teachers and feeders of God's flock. You say, to, in, in the life of Emmanuel in the future, does every elder have to have a pulpit ministry? Of course not. There are multiple ways to teach and lead God's people and feed them. That comes by way of Sunday schools, that comes by way of small groups, that comes by way of one-on-one and one-on-two discipleship. But if there's a man in the church for whom he meets the qualifications and he has this inward compulsion and a desire to, to, uh, that God has put on in the inside and he's humble and he wants to lead God's people, what he must do is shepherd them by way of feeding the flock of God. Not only do we feed God's people, we protect God's people. And I said, Steve, what do you mean by that? It is the responsibility of the elders within the life of the church to point out to you uh, the enemy from without and the enemy from within. Let me take just a moment. So I don't call a bunch of names of people in the world that are doing wrong, but you'll notice that what I do try and do is point out to you false gospels. Uh, you'll hear me pound away a lot about like the prosperity gospel, the idea that if you have enough faith in Jesus, you'll have enough money in your bank. That is birthed out of the pit of hell. Right? There are all kinds of other gospels. There is a, a there is a strain of charismatic gospel that would say that if you have enough faith, the healing will last. That's wrong. There are false Gospels that say if you work hard enough and, uh, and you do enough good that you'll go to heaven when you die. That is a false Gospel. There are false Gospels that say you have to keep the law and believe in Jesus. That is a false Gospel. We are to guard, to protect the entrusted Gospel of faith in Christ alone, by grace alone, to our congregation. We are to protect the flock of God That is my responsibility. That is the elder's responsibility. Not only from the enemy without. The elders have the responsibility and the authority in the life of the congregation that when you become your own enemy, when you have unconfessed, habitual, ongoing sin against God, it is the gut-wrenching Hair loosening, ulcer, heart conditioned responsibility with tears and frustration of the elders to come and sit with you and say, My brother, my sister, you're sinning. To come again with more elders and if need be to bring you before the congregation and say, this isn't right. Can you be a Christian and not be a part of a local church? Yes. Can you be a Christian and be right with God and not be a part of a local church? No. To be a Christian is to place yourself under the authority of Jesus and under the authority of His under-shepherds within the life of a local congregation so that we may walk in your life with you, protect you from the enemy without, and lead you to destroy the enemy within from the power of the Holy Spirit that you might live a right and a true and a holy life. They shepherd. That is, they feed and they protect. But what else do they do? They guide. Look at what it says. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight. And notice now, I'm not, this is not Steve's uh, teaching. This is the Bible. Exercising oversight. Now watch. Here's the, here's the catch. Not, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sort of gain, but with much eagerness, watch now, not yet lording it over those. But, and, and we're going to get to that. The elders should never lord it over the congregation, but look at the rest of the verse. Nor lording it over those allotted to your charge. See, brothers and sisters, God's church is not the Republic of the United States of America. It is God's grace to us. To be a part of a church where we submit ourselves to the elders. What kind of elders? Those who are humble. Those who set Christ and His cross before us. Those who are living a resurrected life. Those who are seeking to feed and to guide and to protect and not lording it over. But nonetheless... Elders provide oversight, direction, guidance. They lead the church in the way that God wants His church to go, in a biblical, in a right manner, so that the church is always seeking to evangelize the world and to disciple believers and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And in so much as they give oversight in those types of directions, they are doing the work of the living God. Look back down and notice the contrast back and forth of how they are to shepherd and give oversight. Shepherd the flock of God. And notice, you see, you see how immediately the elder is reminded here that it's not his flock, but it's God's flock, right? It's not, it's not our people. is God's people. I don't tell people this is my church. This is God's church. I'm simply an under-shepherd in God's ministry. Look here. Shepherd the flock of God among you. Exercising oversight. Now, how do you do that? From the negative standpoint, not under compulsion. That is, nobody forces me to to lead God's people. And I want to say, listen, there are are times when young men, uh, their moms and dads, that will push them and urge them and say, you ought to be in ministry and force in some ways, or dad or grandpa was in the ministry, and therefore they feel a compulsion that they must be an elder in the life of the church, and that ought never to be the case. It is not under compulsion, but it's voluntarily. Not under compulsion, but voluntarily or freely. And what does it look like to be an elder within the life of the church in a free way? That you do it according to the will of God. How are elders supposed to lead? God's way. God's way. And look what it says here. Not for sordid gain. There's a special place. I won't say that. (laughs) Listen, those bunch of yahoos on the television that tell you, send me your money. Yeah, I just say, you might. there's a special place in hell for a bunch of those people. All right. <laughs> Shepherd the flock of God, among you uh, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, freely, according to God's will. In fact, you'll probably see that the, the will of there is in italics. It really just reads voluntarily, according to God. <laughs> and not for sordid gain, not to make money. And this, this is interesting, but with eagerness. Do you know, I was researching that word this week, and you know, the, um, the majority of the times the word eagerness is used in the New Testament, it goes right along with another word wait or patience. We eagerly wait for the coming of the Lord. Doesn't that seem like an oxymoron, like jumbo shrimp? Right? We eagerly wait. We eagerly wait. How are you to shepherd God's people? By eagerly waiting, what does that mean? Passionate patience. Nobody had to wake me up this morning and say, go preach to God's people. There's a passion within the soul of my heart to see God's work done in your life. The greatest disturbance of my life is unfulfilled potential potential in your life. When I see your life wasting away and all that you could be for God and how you could change it, what you could do to impact the kingdom of God, and I see you wasting away, my heart grieves. I have a passion to preach and to teach and to help you and to lead you and to guide you and to provide. It's the reason why I do everything that I do. But it's an eagerness with patience. Passionate Patience. God puts his thumb down on my life and says, be patient, boy. I don't like being called boy by anybody. So he calls me son. <laughs> be patient. Stay with it. I know. Sometimes they're kind of like Paul Abdul. They take two steps forward and three steps back. Any 80s people in here get that? Did okay. And that illustration just bomb. All right. Listen. But we're like that. Sometimes we take a couple steps forward and three steps back. What's God want me to do? What does God want the elders of the church to do? To have passionate patience. I want to love you. I want to teach you. I want to help you. We want to grow you. We want to be there to catch you when you fall. Passionate patience. When I look down at the text, let me finish this up. Nor yet as lording it over those Allotted to your charge, but being uh, proving to be examples to the flock. What do we elders do? They take charge over what has been allotted to them, but they don't lord it over the congregation. It's not about who has the biggest roar, it's about who looks like Jesus. I want to lead you with my mouth because the Bible says that we are to lift up our voice like a trumpet and declare the word of God. We are, listen, and please don't believe, any of that stuff you see on, this is a little side. I see this stuff on Facebook sometime about like Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Stop saying that to anybody. Francis of Assisi, you, he was a preacher of the gospel every day of his life and they ripped that statement out of context. What he was talking to is a bunch of, of people who are preaching with their mouth but not living it with their lives. And He said, Preach the Word and live it too. You have a responsibility to preach the Word. All of us together with your mouth. Live it too. Be an elder. What do elders do? They're examples of Jesus. Hey, so as we move forward in this church life, what do elders look like? They look like humble, ordinary men with an extraordinary desire put in them to take people to the cross and to live the resurrection life. What do they do? They shepherd God's flock. They give oversight to God's people. And they're modeling Jesus. And in the life of this church, even going forward, an elder must be the kind of man who can say along with the Apostle Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. If you can't say that, you can't be an elder. Are you perfect? Nope. Do you mess up? Yep. But you're living the kind of life that is modeling Jesus for people. So, (laughs) why why would a guy want to be an elder? Well, look down back at uh, verse number 4. And when the chief shepherd appears... He will receive the unfading crown of glory. When the chief shepherd, every elder this church will ever have going forward, will do so with the joy of serving in the shadow of Jesus. for better for worse for richer for poor whatever we look like as a congregation you are the bride of jesus and my work is temporary one day he will come and he'll make us all the way that we should be amen, amen. and until that sweet day comes when the chief shepherd <laughs> the one that knows everything we ought to do and where we ought to be and how we ought to do it, until He comes, the joy for elders that serve in the life of this church be in some small measure, you get to serve His bride in His shadow. You're not my people. You're His people. And the elders of this church Do they have the authority? Yes. Do they have the oversight? Yes. Are you in the charge? Do you have the responsibility to submit to the elder leadership of a church? Yes. But you're His. And it's the everlasting privilege to serve God's people. Are there days where I get tired and frustrated? Yeah. I told you before, sometimes on Mondays I feel like going and pumping gas at Ernie's over there for a living. But I'm telling you, long about Monday evening, just ask my wife. I'm revved up and ready to go again. I love you. It's the great privilege of my life not to complain, not to get frustrated, but to get up to you every single week and preach and teach God's holy word and to live life with you during the week and to marry you and to bury you and to cry with you and to laugh with you. And until Christ is formed in all of us, walk alongside with you. That's what elders do in the shadow of Jesus. What's the second reason? If we do it faithfully, there'll be an unfading crown of glory. The focus in the passage isn't on the crown. The focus in the passage is who gives it. To my brothers, that maybe God is doing a work in your heart toward eldership in the future. You do it faithfully, You do right, and Jesus will give it to you. You say, how do we bring all this together? A couple things. Throughout the New Testament, whenever you look at the the local church, it's almost always in the plural, elders, elders, elders. We're working toward and praying for and this is a slow progress in the right direction of having a biblical model of leadership. The seeds that I'm sowing today will produce a garden of biblical leadership in the future. Is there a lot more for us to talk? What does that look like here? What does this happen? Yeah, and we'll provide all of that in time and training. But today I I wanted you to see what the heart of elders are. It's a group of men who are humble, who have given their lives over. They don't have to be professional. They don't have to be paid staff. But they've given themselves over to shepherding and guiding God's people. Early this morning, I had my attention drawn to this. You'll receive the unfading crown of glory. Do you know why? The chief shepherd will give the unfading crown of glory. Not because me or any other elder that serves in the life of this church in the future is able in and of themselves or good in and of themselves or has the power or the skill or that there's anything that we have done. But the reason why the chief shepherd gives the crown of glory is because someday about 2,000 years ago on a hill called Golgotha, he wore a crown of thorns and took into himself all the sin and all the shame that this poor man would ever commit in all of his life and died to atone for our sins that's why he's the chief shepherd i submit to you today this is a moment in the life of our church that will help us moving forward as we think about biblical leadership as We think about how do we pray For the men who will guide and direct In the life of the church How should church look like How submissive am I To God and His under shepherds And is my attention really focused to Jesus alone Would you bow your heads with me And close your eyes Heads are bound Eyes are closed Hey this is just a good time for you to pray. Maybe this week you've not had an opportunity to pray too much. There's nobody looking around. Why don't you just pray right there and say, Lord... And you talk to Him about whatever's on your heart. Are you submissive? Are you praying for biblical leadership and elders? Are you wanting your life, whether you're an elder or never be one, Are you wanting your life to have those qualities? Maybe you're here today and you need that King who died on the cross for your sins. And you know there'll never be a crown of glory without a crown of suffering. Trust Him. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcralee.com.